Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the World of Martial Arts show. I'm Nathan, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Mick and Kurt. Now, we've all run classes and had schools and had a lot of students come through the doors and leave. I think martial arts has got a bit of a reputation for a high attrition rate. You know, people leave for things that are within the gym and also without the gym. I thought it'd be interesting to get into some of these reasons and talk about retention and uh, how we can help our students stay in the martial arts game as well. Uh, Mick, have you got any thoughts? Yeah, I have actually. This is, a, believe it or not, it's a rather new subject to me because I don't really ever lose students. But when I say I don't lose them, they'll disappear. Then they come back, and I would say it's the whole, um, you know. So I, I always refer to martial arts like a conveyor belt because you know they know it's going around and around, and they jump on, they jump back off, and you know, good old reliable Mick will always be there. And they normally always come back. Uh, but literally, before before the pandemic hit, probably maybe eight, nine months before that, I literally had like three guys almost all go at the same time. One of them was a, like a, a good friend of mine. Um, and I know that was more to do with, you know, like just family issues. Two other guys went. And bear in mind, all three of them, I got to black, they're all black belts with me. But as I, I, I'm always at pains to say, uh, black belts just, that's the beginning grade in my eyes. And what I say to you is you're just about ready for us to, to go. And yeah, they, yeah, as I said, they disappeared. Nathan? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things there. The relationship one is a big one. You often get guys coming in and saying that, you know, their partner um, wants to spend more time at home. You know, we, we always you kind of use the line at the gym. It's like, yeah, it's better that they're complaining that you're out of the house than that you're in the house. Because they, they, if you're out, if they're complaining that you've gone out, it means they want to see you. But if you're hanging around at home every night, then they're going to start going out and they're going to not want to be around you all the time. So, uh, and we see this a lot with young guys, you know, like teenage guys, they find girls and then their girlfriend wants to see them. So they skip training. It becomes kind of like a, it breaks their rhythm and their pattern. Um, but the other one there was the reaching black belt. I think that's, that's a thing in martial arts where there's certain levels people reach and then they feel like they've completed. They've done the thing they were going to do. I know when I did traditional martial arts, it was black belt. And then obviously notoriously in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's like the blue belt. Like it's the blue belt or occasionally the purple belt. It's like that's like they've got to that first hurdle and then they feel like they're, they're done. Um, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. 
yes. Uh, I'm sorry, but I do have to jump in on this. Uh, I have to I have to credit Higan Machado, the great Higan Machado, for this line because when Higan was once asked about, you know, has he ever thought about death or anything like this? He said, I've only got one thing at my funeral that I want to happen. He said, what is it? And he, he said, I want my, I want to have my, my casket lowered into the ground by, by some blue belts of mine, just so they can let me down one last time. Yeah, which I just think is hilarious. It's really, really good. Um, but as with me personally, the, the the black belt thing that was really got me because I'm always at pains to explain to these guys this is just the beginning now literally what I'm saying to you is like you know you're an apprentice and I've bought you some tools and you understand what the tools are you can't even use them yet but you know what a hammer is you know what a set of pliers are you know what a spirit level is and uh, yeah with the guys in particular yeah as I said with one of them it killed me because he left for the simple reason, and you guys are going to love this, because I had taken him as far as he wanted to, or sorry, I'd taken him as far as I could take him, and then he had to test his skills. And he never thought for a second that maybe I was being like, I don't know, quite a benevolent teacher by not kicking the shit out of him all the way up to his black belt, which I could have done every week. He said this to you? No, no, no. You see, this is the thing. Of course, he never said it to me. It was, yeah, it was just one of those, Nathan. Yeah, gossip in the gym as well. That's 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 some of the re- one of the reasons that people leave. Why do you think it is at black belt? Like, why? Like, is it that we have a structured like levels up until then, and then maybe less structured? Is it that we rely on them too much for teaching when they get to that level? I know we were talking earlier about like being asked by coaches to, to teach. Some people jump at it, some people don't. But I know at black belt, you kind of expect it of your students a little bit can i interject with a a, like a thing to add to that question because it's funny we're talking about um this happening with black belts and then bjj this happening with blue belts that difference to me is really really interesting because if you're in a traditional martial art that has a a black belt pathway in some capacity then okay i get like there's a reputation around i'm a black belt in xyz martial art you get to say that you have a certain bragging rights you're a black belt right so i kind of get there could be some some ego stuff in there you're conventionally told that being a black belt means you're at the end of the line you're at the end of the track you did it even though we know that's really just the beginning the popular outlook would be that that's the end blue belt with brazilian jiu-jitsu surprises me because you're very aware by the time you get your blue belt that there's this massive world left for you to explore and presumably you've been enjoying your time so i'm really interested from you guys as grappling coaches or people that are heavily involved in grappling is it the sense of like like do we have more tourists in martial art right now they're just enjoying it as an activity they made that successful thing and now they're done as opposed to quote-unquote martial artists as a lifelong lifestyle what do you think that is in that specific context because there's still so much way to go i don't believe this by the way it's a common fallacy where people will turn around and say that a blue belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu is the equivalent of a black belt in judo uh maybe at noaza and that's a big big maybe but certainly not a touchy wise nowhere near it when it comes to throwing at all uh, it's literally like you know it's all oil and water yeah, they're both sort of liquids, but that's where the similarities start and end, as I'm, as far as I'm concerned. The problem with jiu-jitsu is 
it, it, I personally think why they quit at Blue Belt is because it literally is that realization of how far you have to go because it's that incremental step. And it's that, that's why you have stripes on the belt as well. So you get these stripes on the belt and it's always a fresh purple belt, always a seasoned purple belt. It's got four stripes. And then you go, there's, there's no real difference. You know, Joe Rogan, I don't really like quoting because he's full of shit most of the time. But it was like he said once, he said that a purple belt is basically a black belt who just hasn't got enough hours in yet. He hasn't got enough time on the mat because he'll have got an idea by the time he's going to Brown, he's got an idea of where his game is and now he's just going to fine tune it. But with blue belt, I really, I truly believe it's about jujitsu. I think we get your blue belt, the enormity of what's in front of you. And the other one, like this is a personal anecdote I'm going to have to share to you. I got my, I won the British Open at white belt, loved it, got my blue belt literally three days later. When roll with the guys and they all opened up on me and I didn't realize it at the time. because so I was like, well, did I just get really shit really quickly? And they went, no, 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 we can we can actually do something with you now. And I was like, what? And they were like, oh, we just went easy on you. And I was like, I just spent three years in hell. And now I realized that this is like Dante's Inferno in a gig. Like, I, like there's how many levels of this fucking shit have I got? And that, that's why, I, I don't know, Nathan, what do you say? Oh, no, they're really good points. I completely agree with that. It's the gap between that white belt and blue belt is is relatively small. People can do that in quite a short amount of time. And a lot of people can get there. But that gap between the blue belt and the black belt is so big and so few are going to get there. Is Yeah, the enormity of that. And yeah, like you say, it makes you a target as well. What's the, remind me of the average timeline, if you will, from white to blue in a BJJ school. Just kind of run of the mill. Two and a half to three years. It varies, varies hugely from gym to gym. There's sure. some, that, some that almost give them out for a time served of a year, year and a half kind of thing. And there's okay. some where you really, really have to earn it. But the thing is, most gyms would think that if you're a blue belt, you have to be able to, to handle yourself. When we talked about the comparison with like a black belt and a blue belt, which is occasionally made, um, I did hear Roland Delgado once. I think he was quoting someone else. who's was a, a friend of mine. And he was talking about, um like you know kid black belts and traditional martial arts black belts and he said look if i can pick you up and put you in a bin you're not a black belt now there's a you shouldn't be able to do that to a blue belt but i've met plenty of black belts in other martial arts you could do that too so well, and that's why i asked that because scale, it does match i don't know yeah and i, I presumably i mean it occurs to me that this is probably something that people in the grappling of the bjj world this is like well-trodden material for for them but it's only just now kind of hitting me that if the timeline between let's say a neighborhood taekwondo or karate school between white and black is relatively comparable to white to blue in bjj then that makes sense mick what you're saying where you get your blue belt and you're like no this is just step two at most right as opposed to if you had gone to the taekwondo school you'd be the man by now you know and if people are training for that reason then that's going to be an inhibitor that you know what i mean that's going to be a factor that they have to to figure out if they want to keep going or not mick you mentioned earlier someone saying to you that they felt like they'd got to the level that they could under you they were looking elsewhere i found in in jiu-jitsu that's like the purple belt level you tend to hit that it's like the the Ronin, the guy, you know, it's known that purple belts in jiu-jitsu, they won't do the warm-up, you know, they won't help other people, they just want to beat people up, They look and they look elsewhere, and they're, as often when they gym hop as well, 
and they look for someone else. Uh, and I, I found a lot of guys around that level, they start refusing to do classes. They just want to come in and just roll, just spar. And I've actually, there's multiple groups in Leicester of people that have left my gym around that level because they just, they want to come in and roll before the classes, but just refuse to do the classes and they don't want to pay. And they just want to, you know, because they feel like they're at a good level now and they just become their own person. I remember John Will saying to me, there's a, there's a good point where people think that they know it all. And that's because they've become confident in what they do. And that's a good thing. But often they actually shut themselves off at that point as well. And, and you know, often can become quite disrespectful, I found. 100%. Uh, the curse of the purple belt is brutal because the thing is, uh, blue belts will quit. I've, I've never really seen that many purple belts unless they've been really injured. That's about the only reason they normally stick that they normally stick it there, especially if you you start knocking on brown belt, you, you're there. It's like you know, there's that great meme at the moment or great gif at the moment. Uh, it's Sting, uh, not not Sting the tantric sex dude, Sting the wrestler, where he literally is abseiled down or dropped down into the ring with the baseball bat, and it's got oh god, look, here's a purple belt turning up for class, and it's like in the middle of the melee so it's like it's not the Royal Rumble because I know that's copyright infringement and Vince McMahon or Abbas right so whatever whatever WCW is bash at the beach would have been a good, or whatever it was called but yeah I, I do it all the time you know I, I've turned up mate I never do it Neil Simpkins so like, as Neil said you get through the first door you won't get through the second he literally has said that to me and that's one of my best friends in the world but if somebody turns up to the class especially in Erdington and they're late I always just shout off the side of the map, congratulations, when did you get your purple belt? And they're like, what, what? And I went, oh, you must be a purple belt. You, you know, what? We, we, we just, we're waiting for you, are we? You're that important. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, you've, not, you've touched onto something there because you don't get this in traditional martial arts because you get to, like, I know this all sound quite condescending. So uh, apologies to anybody um, if they if they do get offended by this, but you can get a black belt in a traditional martial art and still be relatively shit, uh, and and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that what you do has got no value at all. But what I'm saying is, is like you said earlier, Nathan, you know, being picked up and put into a bin as an adult, if that can happen to you, then that's not good. But unfortunately, with jujitsu. By the time you get to a purple belt, and I really do believe this because it's the hardest martial art I've ever done. You know, Muay Thai is hard, but the thing is, if you train Muay Thai the way that you would train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I don't think you'd be able to stick it. I certainly wouldn't be able to do it at 52. I wouldn't be able to spar as hard in any striking art as I roll as hard as I do in Jiu-Jitsu. I, I, I know Nathan understands this, but this is the truth. It's like, when you go there, I, like, I do this quite a lot with the kids. When I'm teaching them, I always say, do you know what jiu-jitsu is? And they go, what? And I go, you do that slap, you do that fist bump, now I'm going to try and murder you. I said, think about that for a second, kids. So high five, bump, kill. And you go, what? For the next five minutes? Yeah, and we're going to do that 10 to 15 times a night, three times a week. And then that's where the realism, realism comes in. And that's why jiu-jitsu has gone through the roof, because it's found something that's sorely lacking in today's society you know as me and nathan have said before we have a load of idiots that it can straighten out and turn into like civil individuals 
But then what we've got is we've got some civil individuals. Like I have to give a shout out to Carl, who teaches at Nathan's. If you walked into a pub, this would be the guy you would steal his pint and you would chat his girlfriend up because he is he, because he, do, he he's such a geeky looking dude. And that would be the biggest mistake you'd ever make because Carl is a savage, but he's a wonderful human being, but he's a savage. And again, the problem is when you get to purple belt in jiu-jitsu, you're gonna be you're gonna be a handful for most members of society. So I think that's what the problem is with jiu-jitsu. It's like you were saying, it makes you functional, but maybe the ego doesn't catch up. Kurt. He, you said something interesting. You said BJJ found something, which is the way I hear a lot of people describe it. But it occurs to me, or I, I've always felt like what BJJ found was someone. It found a group of people that had been looking at the runway in traditional martial art, that had been looking at the um, functionality, the efficacy or whatever of traditional martial art and didn't like it. Then they looked at the JKD thing and they said, well, there's still something else missing. And then they saw BJJ and they said, okay, that's the thing that's missing. So I think it found a group of people, which I always find to be the most interesting thing. We're starting this conversation off talking about why do students leave and some of the, the reasons or the processes by which they, they leave, which as a school owner, by the way, who lost some students because of COVID and now lost my school. So this is very relevant to me. I'm always interested, even when I'm thinking about why do you leave, to ask why do you start, right? To figure out why you walked through the door to begin with, because that's going to tell me why they left. If they walked through the door because they wanted a black belt and they didn't get it, that's probably why they left. If they walked through the door because they wanted a black belt and they got it, that might be why they left. Because they got their money's worth. They got the thing they wanted. That was their goal. If they walked through the door because they wanted to learn an art over a lifetime, that stuff's not going to be relevant. It's not going to matter. I didn't, didn't really do belts in my gym. And sometimes I've lost students because of that. Right? They want to have the carrot, the reward, you know, not a lot of us in our jobs get to, we know this is martial artists. This is the sales pitch. We don't get to get, have a lot of wins in our day. And that's why stuff like martial art, like belts is, is great for adults as well. I never have a problem with kids getting a black belt because they're a black belt in a kid's program at Jim's Taekwondo on the corner. I just don't really see any issue with that. If you're a parent and you're like, telling your child to go fight an adult because they're a black belt in Taekwondo, you're an asshole, but there's nothing wrong with, to me, with what that kid's doing. And again, if somebody is just interested in getting a belt as an achievement, that that's an awesome thing. I don't care if it's a lousy program and it took them two years at the Y, if, if they feel good about it, I think that's great. As long as the teacher is authentic and not telling them now you're completely capable to defend yourself against anything, right? That's the issue. BJJ is amazing. And that it can do both. It can give you the belt. It can give you the rewards and all these different things along the way. It can give you the community, but it can also give you real skills that can and often do save people, except it takes that much longer, right? So I'm kind of curious for you guys, if you have a sense of the correlation between when people start and why they finish or just any thoughts on that. Nathan, please. I think you're exactly right. The reasons why people start are often the reasons why they leave and the reasons why they pick your gym, they may pick your gym because it's the closest one and then they move and that's why they end up leaving. Um, but yeah, it could be that they came down for confidence and then they become more confident. They want to get fitter. They feel they got, they got fitter. They're not all going to be, Oh no, I want to take this up because I want to do martial arts for the rest of my life. Um, so, th so of course they're going to leave. Of course they're going to stop, which is kind of hard for us who are going to do this for a long time 
to get our heads around. I mean, I, I do tell examples to people at the gym. There, like, there was a girl who came in once and um, she'd had a lot of trauma in her past and she got into training and she, and she looked like she was one of these people who's going to train forever. You know, she bought all the kits, started writing, writing articles about it. She just is going to, I thought this was going to be the big thing. And then um, maybe a year down the line, she just came in with all the kit, put it on the desk and was like, thank you. I was like, what? Mm. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, um, like she's, you know, she'd gotten tattoos and cut her hair, gone and got a job in Germany and her and her husband were moving there. He was going to be a house husband while she went all the money. And she's like, nope, I got what I needed. Um, I needed this. It made me feel better. It made me change my life and turn things around. Uh, cool. If you want to give this kit to someone else, thank you. And it was like, yeah, she wasn't there for martial arts. She was there for what martial arts could do for her. So how did that feel that, as the coach? How did that, you know what I mean? To have somebody kind of go like, cause Mick said earlier in this conversation, Oh, I've like this student talking about like, he almost outgrew Mick. I almost outgrew the need for that. Or you've taught me everything. And I'm going to move on to that. And now she's saying something similar but I didn't, I didn't have to deal with having the conversation where there's a third party listening to it. I'm like, that's actually kind of beautiful. Like she's sort of right. You know what I mean? She did get what she felt like she wanted. And that's a really powerful thing that you helped prov provide for her and to facilitate. That's incredible. You know, and people go their lifetimes without getting access to that. Um, but at the same time, you've got somebody quitting and being like, I don't really need you anymore, which feels shit when it happens, you know? Yeah, looking back, it's looking back, it's such a great story and I absolutely love it. And it's one of the things that I tell to people so that they understand that I know they might get what they need and then leave. But at the time, yeah, you're losing someone who was becoming a, a figure within your gym and had, had friends in the gym and was kind of pulling things together in, in a little circle. So to see that happening, you know, it, it was difficult. Um, but, you know, I said she, she got what she needed and she moved on. Um, so people have left for a lot of positive reasons you know, and also just life reasons. Have you kicked many people out of your gym? That's a big one. Um, I have, yes. Um, and we we have to mention it's that horrible, horrible, horrible invention. As Nicolas Cage, as Stanley Goodspeed once said in The Rock, it's terrible. It's one of those things we wish we could uninvent. But it was social. It's social media. So basically, it's very, very schoolyardy shit. So it's two guys who are arguing, but one guy who had beef. He he couldn't handle this guy in the gym. And then obviously, what I did with me being me, I turned around and said, "I'm going to give you three options. First option is me, you, this kid." Go round the back, and you two slug it out. And what I'll do is I'll stop it if it looks like one of you is going to get killed. I said, secondly, we'll go into the gym, and you and him can get into it, and you can slug it out. And if one of you looks like you're going to get it, that's it. I said, or oh, the other one is I just walk away now, and I let you two sort it out. And then what I did was I just went in one day when we were there, and I went, right, which one of you two wants to stay? First one who put his hand up, he got to stay. And the other one I threw out of the gym. And literally, it was like, sorry, mate, you should get your hand up quicker next time if you want. If it really feels that important to you, I said, you know, sorry, that's childish, right? But you two were very childish little individuals, and you had to go. And then the other guy I had to throw out was basically because he was a lizard, and he hit on every single girl that trained with me. Yeah, that's the problem. I've had that quite a few times. Uh, and it's like, sorry, mate, I don't know if you think this is like, I don't know, chat roulette, 
I don't know. I I, I like Jinder. Uh, yeah, that's that gee gee Tinder or something. I don't know. But I just tried to make that one up. But yeah, yeah. I was like, sorry, mate. But my gym isn't for people for you to pick up girlfriends. You know, you're here to train, and that's it. So one guy I had to throw out, and then I've had quite a few guys that I've had to actually say, be careful now. Yeah, don't ask them out for drinks. They're only here to train. Yeah, Kurt, you were you were gonna add. We there, have to I at think. least go back to this dating in the gym thing, because yes. one of our mutual teachers used to always say, "Don't date my students because when one of you screws the other one over, they're gonna stop coming back." And if nothing else, it's gonna cost me twelve hundred dollars a year that you had a shitty relationship, which blew my mind the first time I thought of it that way. Because you're like, "Yeah, oh. that's true." It's what's go ahead. Have you ever heard of uh, Mike Fowler's rule, the jiu-jitsu coach? He, no. he says, like, if you date someone within the gym and they leave, you have to leave as well. So, nice. so then you've got to be careful about your choices you make. You know? Yeah, right. Well, and I just like but, the perspective of like, if you care about your teacher and you scam on somebody in your class and they don't come back, like it costs them, your teacher money. You know what I mean? It literally takes money out of their pocket, which is a weird perspective I never thought of. But, I, I, but, I, but I, that I, all said, yeah. there's a, let's put a pin in that and go back to it. <clears throat> because though you shouldn't date your students, I married one of mine. So oh, there's exceptions to so the funny. rule. This is so funny. I was in a room full of instructors <laughs> once and someone was giving advice and they said about, you know, like it's quite difficult to, you know, this situation with this stuff, you probably shouldn't date your students and i think three of the guys were like well yeah i married one of my students so like, it's so common i mean you go into most gyms and like the top girl in the gym is usually dating the instructor like that's yeah and i had we had to go to rick and tell him and i was like there's a chance i'm gonna get kicked out of his gym for this this is a serious rule he was yeah. so nice he was like i'm not gonna stand in the way of people who are actually in love and i was like okay i guess that's the deal then <laughs> you know? yeah it's, uh, it's 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 not a good one neil simkin has to same rule if you date if you date a student and she leaves you have to pay her mat fees for yeah, the whole year and like, like and, he, and, like, and he's literally he will give you the standing order there and then and say no she was going to stay <laughs> or he was going to stay sometimes but yeah he he takes a very dim view on it if but, somebody um, told me no they weren't going to pay that I, I think i would probably would be like all right fair enough because it's a little ridiculous but it's the right rule otherwise you know what i mean like i don't know if we're talking about kicking people out if i'd kick them out for not paying the ex-girlfriend's dues but that's a good rule to put in place or at least a good lesson to put out there like mick i've had to uh kick a couple people out for different things once or twice really i have i was trying to think i've kicked one person out of the like out of the gym kind of for life abandon them uh one person i had to kick out of a class but i did let him come back and then one person who used to teach at my gym like he rented mat time from me and i had to let him go too and so i'm curious if you guys have had experiences in that direction the guy who i kicked out of the gym had been a persistent problem he's funny he was a real eccentric guy in hindsight, I wonder if he maybe had a couple of things he could use some help with, but it didn't matter in the end. He wound up being like overtly racist to a student when I wasn't there. And I think in large part because I wasn't there and had refused to shake another guy's hand because he was a person of color. And for whatever reason, this dude decided he looked at him and was like, looked at his hand and looked away. And um, so I was told about it after the fact. So I saw him the next day and I brought him outside and I said, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, give you an opportunity to explain what the hell happened, because I'm being told something pretty foul. 
And he looked me dead in the face and his response was, I don't know, Kurt, I think you're just running a different kind of gym here than I approve of. We're just like, okay, well, right. We'll enjoy not having to deal with you again because definitely he never came back. What, it was such a strange, clearly awful response. Cut to, by the way, maybe unnecessary anecdote. That guy wound up being some kind of male nurse in the um, newborn intensive care unit that my daughters lived in for three months. So that was super awkward because then he wound up being somebody who helped at least in proximity take care of my daughters when they were first born. So I had another guy I had to kick out of a class once just for kind of mouthing off. It was, uh, we were working a specific kind of striking art and he, um, he didn't believe it at the time. And I caught him a few times chuckling to himself despite himself while I was demoing. So kind of laughing out loud, like, come on, sort of thing. And finally, I don't even remember this day what he said, but he let some comment out in the middle of my demo. And he was right by the door. So I just asked him to grab something from outside the door. So there's something right in the lawn outside. And when he stepped out, Byron locked the door and kept him out, which I think got the message to him. So that, you know, that never happened again for him. And then I had a third guy who rented mat time from us who um, really just had kind of a personal thing with it. It had nothing to do with the martial art, but he was a, he wanted being like, he was one of these guys who got into, what do they call them? Multi-level marketing pyramid scheme stuff. And he was selling insurance, right? He was selling life insurance. And anytime somebody within the community up to, and including me, which became kind of the last straw, had something bad happening, if they were sick or whatever, he would try and sell them insurance and be like, well, now's probably a good time to think about your mortality insurance. So he was like kind of preying upon people's dramatic or traumatic issues in their life in the gym, trying to sell them insurance. So that pretty quickly became a professional relationship that did not need to continue. Yeah, I've probably got a bit of a reputation for having a lot of students leave. And it's I think it's unfair. Um, but there's a lot of reasons for that. Like, so first of all, with the demographic of the people we get, you know, I'm based between two universities, um, probably a third to a half of our members are university students. So they just don't stay in Leicester, they all leave. So like most of the people who come through I have for a couple of years and then they head off. Plus we've got a, a really big immigrant community in Leicester and people come through and then move off to other places. Um, but there's, a, there's, a, there's gyms in other parts of the country that have got like five, six, seven of my guys there sometimes competing for them, but it's guys who just went to Leeds or Bristol or places like that, moved to other cities. Um, also, I've got a bit of a control freak and also I'm not patient with people who are dickheads. So if someone's like been a bit of a bully or got a bad attitude, they're out. I just, I just don't have time for it. I'll talk to them, I'll, you know, I'll give them some warnings. Um, but I know like literally just this month, someone put up a video training out of another gym fighting, saying about how they got kicked out of my gym. And it's like, yeah, but this is a guy who like refused to shake women's hand at the end of the class. Um, if he was partnered with a beginner, would just walk out, pick his bag up and leave and not tell the coach or the partner. And the coach would be like, well, where's your training partner? He'd be like, oh, I think he just left. He just walked out mid-class. You know, it's that kind of guy. Um, and, and this is a guy who would talk to himself in the bathroom, so telling himself how great he was and stuff. And he was, yeah, one of these guys. That sounds um, like I, a addition by subtraction, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I, I always feel, because I'm quite strict with it, but like John Will said to me, it's like you might lose that one person, but if that one person stays, you might lose three others. 
So I always try and keep the culture within the gym, which is very hard to keep by taking those people out. And I just don't have the time for it. To be honest, I'm at the age now, I'm in my 40s. I've got to the point now where it's like, do I want to spend my evening with you? You know, if you come in that door and you're a bit of a dickhead, and yeah, I might be able to make you into a great martial artist, but I don't want to be around you. I want to be around people that I like. And financially, that's not the best thing, but that's where I'm kind of at. Um, but one of the other things I get criticized for is people leaving because they get good. And that drives me nuts. Like I've seen someone recently saying, oh, yeah, all these guys left your place and set up their own gyms. And all these guys got really good and set up their own training groups. And it's like, yeah, because I'm pretty fucking good. And they all got really good. And most of the good people and all the good training partners and are, 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 I trained or, or were trained by someone else I trained. You're like, like, that's a weird way to say congratulations. <laughs> yeah, oh, but people are like, oh, yeah, you like when people, when people get to a certain level, they will leave your gym. It's like, yeah, when they get really good, they will just leave. And yeah, because to me, yeah, I used to train guys at one end of the spectrum and now I've moved to the other end of the spectrum. I don't feel like somebody could teach from like primary school, kindergarten school up to like college, university level. One person's not going to do all that. I was at the university level when I was training guys for like competitive professional fights. And then I've gradually moved down because that's really time consuming, doesn't make any money. So I've gradually moved to the middle a bit and I had a lot of guys and then they all set up their own schools and did their own things. And now moving right down towards getting people back into martial arts again. Um, but I, I find, yeah, because I, I just have very little patience with people with a bad attitude, and people kind of graduate out my classes um, and the demographic, I do get through a lot of students, but the graduating out, I'm cool with that. Like if people still continue, like there's guys, you know, there's guys that I've worked with who have got gyms in other countries who are black belts in jujitsu who are like, and they all come back sometimes and say hi. And yeah, they're not with me anymore, but there's, there's gyms and training groups all over the world that have come from us to shoot fighters. And I'm proud of that. Yeah, the term that you used there was graduate, which I really liked um, because, you know, it's either they're moving on. Uh, we mentioned earlier about how, you know, sometimes you just scratch the itch that they needed. Maybe you were the right person for that right time that they needed and they moved on. Uh, with me, my problem is, uh, well, not anymore because I used to be like, I used to get quite emotionally involved. So especially with, you know, it's always the same thing. Uh, you see the meme all the time. It's not a gym, you know, it's your sanctuary. It's mental health, yada, 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 all this. He's not your instructor. He's your mentor. He's your seafood. He's your counselor, yada, yada. And me, the one that got me was always, you're my friend. And then I'm like, so you don't want to hang out with me anymore? Uh, uh, what, what, why, why is that? You know, and then I started thinking more and more about it. And I, I, it was like, because I never lost anyone ever, you know. They, if they gave up training, then no problem. Uh, loads of guys I sent off, you know. Especially when I first started jujitsu, I said, "Look, what you want, I want too. Let me send you to Victor Esteem. Let me send you to Braulio. You know, hopefully I'll see you on the mat and we'll meet as like, you know, as equals or you know, or at least contemporaries, you know. But as I said, with um, especially." Is that literally in all the years I've taught martial arts, it's only two guys. And it was the fact that I'm like, but both of you guys suffer really badly with mental health issues and anxiety. And, you know, brother, it's so good to see you. And then I'm like, and now you shit talking me behind my back? 
Yeah, what is it that you really want here? Am I like, I don't know, it's just like some fucked up fucking video game where I'm the final boss that you have to beat. Because if that's what you want, you have reached the final level, my friends. You know what I mean? Because I'm ready to put it on you. And then I'm like, but why do I feel like that? And it's, it is because emotionally, it's, it, you know, it gets me. That's, that's the issue. It was uh, just something uh, that you, you hit on earlier where you're on about the multi-level marketing thing. Um, and it's about, you know, the culture in the gym and why you get rid of people. Uh, it's just, now, this will lead me hopefully into a nice one. Have you ever had anyone try to come to your gym and before you've even let them get on the mat, you haven't let them go because I've had it three times and each time, ironically, they wanted to come, but they also wanted to speak to all of the guys at training about this amazing business opportunity that they had. And it's normally aloe vera, which is like, if you drink this stuff, that tastes like shit, that makes you puke, and you only have 500 calories a day, for nine days, you'll lose weight. And you're like, of course you're gonna lose weight. You know, the, the stuff you're drinking makes you puke and you're not taking any calories on board. You know, so have you ever had anybody come in? As I said, as soon as I hear excited business opportunity, or if they sound like Brian Rowe, I'm out the door. But yeah, you know what I mean, Nathan? I know you've got those guys because you gave, you left on my doorstep a big tub of aloe vera once you got off one of those guys. I um, did indeed, yeah. <laughs> but I, I also, know, yeah, I, there's plenty of people I've not let on the classes. Um, I often do a taster now where I get people in and I use that as a filter. And then I advise them and say, look, yeah, you would fit on these classes or you should come on this beginner's course or maybe even another gym where you'd be better off there. Um, I mean, that doesn't always go well, you know. Um, I had a guy wait outside for me once when I told him the gym wouldn't suit him. And he was shouting at me like, do you know who I am? And things like that. And there, were, there was another guy that we said couldn't go on the class that day, but could do a taster, but got changed and went on the class anyway. Um, one of several times I've been challenged to a fight on the class, um, which has happened quite a lot. Um, it's just always just young men, aggressive men um, come in and do that kind of stuff. I don't, and obviously they're not just, they're not going to fit in. They're not going to fit in in my place anyway. So we talked about reasons why people leave and how they start. Um, oh, actually, Kurt, you seem to have got something there. I was going to jump onto something else. But go on, man. Well, yeah, maybe it doesn't fit at this point. Well, I was going to say, I've not had anybody come in to do um, like multi-level kind of stuff or, or anything like that. But I, I have had more than once somebody come in and want to do a class and then they like maybe did a little like you're talking about kind of a entry interview or some sort of you know one-on-one -on -one little minor intro session something like that and then when they get to the real class they're bringing flyers for their class with them and it usually involves like ninja mind control um incense and meditation you know, using your chi, that kind of thing. It, it, and by the way, I'm not even like just shitting on those things. I kind of like a bit of that. I'm a little bit weird sometimes. I don't mind a bit of that. But um, I, one, I don't want you to come in and sell it to my students. And two, I wish I, I should have never thrown away any of the flyers. I'll have to look and see if I have any. And if so, I'll, I'll block out the names and, and put them on here so you can see them. 
they're always like hilarious hand-drawn guy on a mountaintop thing and it's you know clearly we just went to the library and ran a bunch of copies of this you just scribble this in like a line notepad on your way in or whatever and this is your flyer so i don't know how much that's just like neighborhood guys you know going uh, you know we do uh, uh you know ninja tai chi in my basement and there's there's a lot of that here so we definitely get those guys that come in and try to um not really it's not like they're trying to poach students they're just really excited to show you beyond the veil or something like that and it's hilarious because it's you can always tell right away this is this is gonna someone's gonna sacrifice a pigeon definitely we've definitely all had some crazy come in the gym i always thought actually there was a, a, a series of small books that were things people say in a bookshop. And if someone who works in a bookshop and just writes down with like the odd weird things that people say, and I'm like, and then she also had a, a blog and then people would send things that they had heard. And I was like, man, if someone ever did that for things that things heard in a martial arts dojo, like you would get some great stories. You'd get some. Yeah, real good don't give that idea away. That's a good one. <laughs> um, so yeah, what I was going to go to was we were talking about obviously reasons why people leave. And then it got me thinking about retention. Now, in combat sports, it's basically you just come in and you train, and if you quit, you quit, and that's it. And I know traditional martial arts have probably got systems in place, but I was trying to make a comparison between like martial arts gyms and education. So I had a quick Google and looked around, and they have a lot of like student services and things set up within schools. Like they have, you know, they have obviously a nutrition rate as well, but they like, oh, if you have financial issues you go and speak to the financial guidance counselor you know if you have you know academic issues you go and speak to this person if you have mental health issues you go and speak to this person and i know someone who works in student services and, and runs at de montfort university here um in leicester and if you go there you know it's, there's a directory of places to send you for different things and advice to give you and i was thinking well most gyms don't have that you know they don't have like a like a, a tutor would have like an open slot where you book a slot and you could go in and you could chat and we probably lose a lot of people who have an issue and don't say it and just kind of drift away and i'm feeling like maybe it's something i should implement in the gym where we have uh a, like a, a set person that people go to and take their their issues to and then we can address them then instead of losing them and letting them fall through the cracks yeah, I think that's brilliant. You always kind of do a great job doing academic analysis or academic comparison rather. And it's been eye opening for me to hear that perspective, because I think you're right. And it offers a lot of new ideas. This is a perfect one. It's like having a, a human resources person or whatever on staff to help with some of that stuff for want of a better word. We see a lot of memes from martial art teachers that say like, you know, what you think you're paying for karate, what you're actually paying for is life coach and mentor and nutritionist. And I think we've talked about that meme on here before. And I often think depending on who's posting it, when I look at that list, I'm like, that is not what you are. One, that's not your job. And two, that's not your expertise. And three, that's just not I mean, imagine if I posted that, like, I know I got to lose weight, I got there's all these different things I'm trying to work on right now. And what I'm the expert in all these things, it doesn't track, right? But there are people who are experts in those fields, and a lot of them train with us, or a lot of them might be interested in collaborating as fellow business owners, you know, entrepreneurs in your community that you could do things with. Um, In-house people or leaning on your black belts or your, your, 
you know, student uh, teacher uh, leadership groups or whatever to act in that capacity is pretty great. It, it kind of also sounds like an episode of Cobra Kai, which is sort of fun, but it could really give it an opportunity for students to talk to other students and go, look, I'm having an issue here. So often in martial art business courses or from people like that, we hear that thing of how you're supposed to tell them, well, you know, this is how important my service is. And if it matters to you, you'll understand that it's worth $200 a month and that you should figure out how to make that happen because that's how prioritizing works. And I always kind of roll my eyes at that for better or for worse. Maybe that's why my gym's not doing or didn't do well or whatever. But as just a person in the world walking around, some part of me goes, yeah, but people have real problems. You know, people have real financial problems and they can't always prioritize our Kung Fu, the way that we want them to, you know what I mean, regardless of what it is. And so having someone they could go to talk to to say, look, I'm having this issue, I want to prioritize this, but I'm not sure what to do. And knowing that person doesn't have their name on the lease and doesn't have to panic when that kind of stuff happens. I bet that's a better recipe for success. My own views on uh, martial arts, mastery in business and uh, all of that nonsense, I might as well just call it what I believe it is anyway, uh, well, well documented. Um, I truly believe that you're, if you're in a situation where you're almost frightening your customer, your potential customer, into how much they need it, it, it you know, I'm, I'm sorry, mate, but I didn't, I got, I got into this shit for honour, integrity, doing the right thing, walking the straight path, doing shit, that even if it means my end, doing the right thing, you know, I believe in all of that. And then to turn around and say, you know how dangerous it is out there. As I think I've told you before, I've seen posters, you know, the sensationalist bullshit posters where you've got some kid getting grabbed by the throat at a bus stop. That sensationalism of it, absolutely, I just abhor it and I hate it. Uh, that you you make some really valid points though about you know should you as the teacher or some of the black belts be approachable enough to be able to turn around and say look every time I'm sparring this guy's putting a fucking hammer on me or you know this guy here keeps asking me out on a date and I don't really want to go or you know something even as simple as yeah, the guy that you partner with, I don't think he brushes his teeth. Can you have a word with the guy? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, that would be more me. I'm a bit more pragmatic in this way. I'd be looking at it and going, I want to have a, rep I want to have a relationship with everybody that I teach that I'd be approachable enough to say, Mick, this is going to sound really out of order. But, you know, that guy there is literally two series of episode, uh, Criminal Minds Two seasons of episode, uh, uh, yeah. Two seasons of Criminal Minds away from like abducting me here. He keeps asking me to go out on a date. What can we do and make a joke of it? You know what I mean? It's like because martial arts is weird. You don't get you wouldn't get this five-a-side football. You know, Jesus man, you wouldn't even get this at the Cubs or the Scouts. But what is it with martial arts that has such weirdness? Nathan, you were just going to say something. Yeah, you brought up a lot of things there, and Kurt did as well. I really like what Kurt was saying about roping in with what's within your gym. Because yeah, if you yeah. if your directory of things to turn to includes a therapist in the gym and a sports therapist and some people that can kind of point them in different directions, um, or even someone who can help them with the things that again in in academia 
like one of the things you know they'll they'll do is they'll help people set study goals and they'll help people set up study groups and things like that and that's that would work within a gym that's kind of things people do anyways they have the little groups and they set goals um but yeah it's finding the difference between doing stuff that will benefit them and that that will keep them in the gym or being mercenary like a lot of these you know the traditional martial arts stuff you see where it's essentially like yeah threatening them lobbying oh you've signed a contract you have to buy out six months of your contracts all this kind of stuff like i've seen people you know really taking everything that's in someone's pocket and being and proud of that and like i've heard of you know i've, I've heard those kind of instructors boasting about like taking someone's holiday money and things like that and you know it's all the information out there and all the support that teaches you know to how to run a successful gym tends to be based around that stuff and i just can't i just abhor that stuff so that's why i'm looking more to education and going well maybe there's something there that i can bring over but it's kind of hard starting from scratch really that's a good point though because you you can see how quickly if you had a couple people as part of a team or on staff or whatever um, who were helping with retention and helping students deal with some of those issues that you're describing it'd be really easy to just point all of them in the direction of money, 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 right? Of making that whole thing just about retention for the sake of the bank account and the sake of the business, as opposed to retention for the sake of the student, right? And academically, to a degree, at least, that's got to be one of the big differences. You know, uh, the, obviously, the, a lot of, you know, colleges were there to make money. But the fact is, if, if you've got a student like in high school or something like that who's thinking of dropping out, you want that kid to stay in school because you want him to stay in school. Not because you're like, yeah, we're going to make sure we keep the head count wherever it is. You're trying to get the kid to get an education. And coming to it from that perspective in the martial arts school, I think, is actually pretty profound. When you talk about having a therapist and stuff like that. My wife is a therapist and a martial artist. And we always talk about, we're talking more earnestly now about starting a nonprofit of trying to combine some of the things that we do and come up with new models for mind body stuff. And, and it, it occurs to me that this is sort of one of those things to be able to focus on the training, like that could be the epicenter of it as that's what we're all talking about, but it could be a lot of different things. And saying the way we almost have different departments here to help you with the different parts of your life. So that can be a really amazing holistic approach to teaching martial art, as opposed to simply using that as a way to make sure your retention is where you want it to be. It's way more ambitious that way. And it's, it's again, sort of a new model. But I think that's interesting. And I think that seeing something like that exist would be really powerful. You know, I mean, for, for any community, having something like that, where people are encouraged to come in to explore to train, but then there's other folks that can help them not with their finances in their life, it would be related to their training. But, but, you know, maybe there's a nutritionist there, maybe there's a mental health therapist there, or maybe there's a physical therapist there, something like that, where it's sort of all part of the package, right? I think the time is coming for that. I think I see the development of combat sports. Um, often, you know, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, when it was first over here was taught just by Brazilians. And it was done for certain reasons. And it's moved away now. And as other people have taken it on, and set up their own places and gone their own roots with it. You know, we talked recently about like the reorg organization doing it as, um, you know, like helping with trauma. And there's a, there's, there's a lot of combat sports, there's kickboxing programs dealing with that. Um, and there's, there's lots of different groups now within combat sports that are going down their own path. 
and doing stuff about you know their their gym's just all about inclusivity or about you know let's say getting over trauma and and they're talking about things that you know a traditional martial arts school would talk about but only in a we're going to help your kids stop being bullied because bullied an issue or you know knife crimes in the in the news right now save your kid and it would just be done just in a mercenary way for profit um but i think there's some more genuine stuff going on in combat sports and yeah i'm really interested to see the directions it goes in yeah when you see these schools that are popping up now i mean my wife just showed me one yesterday where it's exactly what you're talking about it's like trauma focused kickboxing class which i've done that with kids i've done like an inner city thing where we're using tie boxing to help these kids dealing with some of their different issues which was profound but also really challenging because they're also young people so there's a whole other dynamic like they're all over the place but um seeing something like that what's what has to be amazing about teaching in that environment by the way is you know everyone who comes in is after that where when we teach some people want mental health some people want physical health some people want a belt some people want a championship belt some people there's all these different dynamics if you're like no this is all about mental health recovery or, or whatever the topic might be i bet there's something sort of cathartic to how simplified that is as a coach mick please you've got to no have no just no just as you're saying it it's like uh, to to be able to you know to be able to tailor tailor fit your class for that specific thing would be amazing because our mutual teacher uh rick fay always says i don't want to know your reasons why you're here he says that all the time i don't want to know your reasons why you're here i'm just glad that you're here now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you this. Uh, just as you, know, you were both saying, <clears throat> the way that, um, excuse me, uh, the way that uh, martial arts is going is, like, this is, like, I, I like your opinions on this, guys, because for years, martial arts was just full of neurotic individuals. Uh, sorry to break it to you, gentlemen, but it's why I love you all. But it we're sounds all like the same, you're right? saying that past tense. That is not past no, tense. No, 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 well, well, yeah, but yeah, you, you got to remember, we're, we're only one Woody Allen movie away from being neurotic, all of us, anytime, anyway. But um, the, it was our no, neurosis that got us into this training, right? Um, but I've noticed more and more, and yeah, again, a lot of it is with just um like the advent of the ufc and mma and brazilian jiu-jitsu which i by the way which i really like because i think it's out of all the combat sports it's the only one that you can actually use like the way that reorg are doing it you know i i think i think that you can use striking arts as catharsis as long as you're hitting pads because I always say, I hit pads and I hit bags. I don't hit people. Because until you train with me and you get to a black belt, I don't even really want you to spar. Because do you really want to encourage, the, yeah, the world's full of people punching holes in their doors already. You know what I mean? And I'm like, look, why don't we just work out together? Then when we get good, then we might, if you want to, let's see if we can compete and see if this works, right? Whereas with jujitsu, straight from the off, you're not going to get the massive head trauma. You're not going to get. You, you have to think. You have to be in the moment. And it, I, I, this is where it's getting me to the point now. Do you guys have you noticed there seems to be a lot more very intelligent people coming into martial arts just to train for no other reason apart from the fact 
it's just a cool way to stay fit. I've said this before to Nathan Leverton, our mutual friend, Rosie Sexton, who I believe is easily one of the smartest people I know. I, I said to Nathan, I can name about 10 people in martial arts that I actually want to socialize with, hang out with, go to the cinema with, or go to a musical with. The rest of them, I love spending time on the mat with them, but I certainly don't want to start talking about the, well, I certainly don't want to start talking about like Hemingway to them. You know what I mean? But it's, have you noticed that there's smarter people getting into martial arts? And that's one of the reasons why people are now looking at it in a different way than just going, yeah, well, you know what, outside of a chip shop or a bar, we can use this to batter somebody. And where you've got guys going, well, no, you know, actually, this can make us tap into this primal resource we've got as humans, yada, yada, yada. I just wanted to know, or am I just talking shit? Do you mean smarter, like literally more intelligent or smarter to include like, like what's interesting to me is with jujitsu, I feel like we're seeing more artists and creative types getting into martial art, you know, which is to say, like, we don't have to look far to make a giant list of actors and people like that, that are really directors are really successful in Brazilian jujitsu that have been drawn to it for whatever reason, or maybe obvious reasons. But I have noticed that and I don't I've wondered, is it just because the internet is showing me that more and I'm talking about it more because I hang out with more martial artists that I'm more aware of it. And it's always been the case. I mean, Bruce Lee was always training actors and so are many other people. So maybe that's always been something even in my community here, I get a lot of creative people or people that work in creative areas that are inquire about martial arts. So I think that's, that's maybe always been part of it. But when you talk about more intelligent, do you mean um, to include them or just literally like the, I don't want to touch it otherwise. If you're just saying people used to be dumber and now they're smarter in martial arts, I'm going to leave that to you. <laughs> no, I think, there's, um, I think there's definitely a growth in adult martial arts now with, you know, with, with boxing and things like that. It's moved from just being like, you know, the poor kid's supposed to use it as a way to get out to like white collar, you know, and fitness and things like that. And then in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, it was mostly an adults thing until like, you know, there are kids classes, but it was mostly an adults thing and people take up Jiu Jitsu. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, people like John Will who take it up at like 30 and things like that or 40, like those guys who are taking it up older. I think the growth in adult martial arts definitely then gives you a different perspective because, you know, kids are morons. So like, I, I wouldn't want to teach you a room full of them. You're not going to have a conversation right. about Hemingway with them, are you? So what you're just suggesting, then there's like a more a larger pool of adults. So therefore, it's just a more diverse pool of people. Yeah, I think so. And then also, obviously, if there's more adult classes, that's attracting a wider range of people. Um, I mean, our, our school is just adults only. Um, and there's always been a bit of a mix. I think definitely now people do see um, the, some of the combat sports as a little bit more accessible as well when like the ufc first came out it was all people who were in the you know, when i was teaching people in the 90s it was all people who trained before all quite young all very athletic um who just saw that and were like cool i'm going to compete in that because i've already done lots of other stuff um but now people are like you know i've watched a few ufcs and that jiu-jitsu stuff looks interesting have you got a beginner's course and that attracts a whole different kind of people um, you know, we have lots of doctors and nurses and stuff because we're quite close to the to the hospital, uh, and lots of university students, obviously as well. But I think they they expect something different when they come in now. They expect a beginners course. They expect an adults only class. They expect that rather than they're just going to come in and compete. 
Well, you you you've just said something there. We we had a huge dropout rate for years in uh, Gracie Baja. So the Nathan Nathan knows a lot of the guys who were like the first wave guys that came in. Uh, I'd probably be considered maybe a second wave guy in the UK, uh, but I I was in the tail I was in the tail end of that first wave where you were just a meat sack. There was like uh, you know you would go in there your first class and you would do a warm up, you do some specific training, then you would roll, and then you would never see three of the guys that were there the week before because they would never come back. And I was one of those guys initially. And then what Gracie Barra did, which was really smart, they turned up and they what they did was they just went, right, okay, there's a fundamentals class. You don't do any rolling, you don't do anything. Give them three stripes and they go. Um, and it, as Nathan said, it's the acceptable, it's the accessible nature now. And I think Nathan hit, hit on a really big point there, which was martial arts used to be kids. It used to be a kid's pursuit. Not anymore. You know what I mean? It's now something that, you know, we will go in. And I think it's the fact that we're all aging. I don't know if that's the other one. You know, we were kids who did martial arts, Nathan. You remember that? We were kids once. And now we're there. And like people are like, oh, shit, man, if that old fat dude there with a bald head who looks like Michael Chiklis is still doing it, yeah, I'll have a go at that, you know? But, yeah, it's a, it, it, it's, it's a strange one. I don't know why, well, I don't know why I've stayed in martial arts. Just hang out with you guys. I don't know about uh, the 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 starting part was was a pretty shit start for me. You know, the beginning, the middle, and the end ending's been really good. That, that's a good topic for for another podcast. I'd be curious to hear more about that. And it's Nathan. You said something that I thought was interesting too. That really kind of pairs itself to where Mick started. That point is is you know used to be at least in combat sports. You're talking largely about. Um, you know, if I think of boxing here in the States, I think of inner city kids, like you said, they're trying to use it a way to get out of the neighborhood. Now, I still feel very defensive over boxing for that reason, despite the way it's evolved over the decades. Um, but now that we have more adults in martial art, we have a more diverse pool of people that are attending these classes. So you get people that aren't using it for that reason. It doesn't mean that they're more or less intelligent. It's just the motivation has changed. And as the art becomes more accessible and more diverse, there's more outlets. We see people talking about the cognitive benefits or the mental benefits of Filipino martial art is a really hot topic in that community. Um, the, the mental health benefits we talk a lot about on the show to um, any kind of really impact or, or heavy workout oriented martial art. So there's just people coming to martial artistry as a whole for new reasons as compared to before, at least with more abundance. And, and they've got more opportunities to do so. And so it goes, right? So it grows from there, which I think is pretty great. Um, that's you know, This show is called The World of Martial Art. And it's interesting then to see that the world of martial art, one, is getting bigger, and two, is getting more diverse in the reasons and the ways that people are engaging with it, which is, again, it's really great. And it's, it's good for us since we've kind of devoted our lives to this. So we should be pretty grateful for that. As we started, the more it goes and the more it grows, we're going to have more people leaving for different reasons, right? We're going to have people finding new things because of the internet and wanting to try that instead or in place of or, or along with what it is we're teaching them. And it's hard to make space for that. But hopefully as it continues to grow, that stuff finds its natural balance as new people come in to learn new things and new ideas from us and with us. So um, excellent chat today, guys. As always, love it. 
Um, thanks for sharing so many thoughts and, and new ideas. Nathan, I think, uh, I don't know if you should have said some of that. There's three or four good business ideas that just popped out of that. So some people are going to owe you some royalties at the end of this thing. But thanks for listening to the World of Martial Arts show. We'll see you for the next one. Sports Social Podcast Network.